I realize as I've gotten older, I have to take more time, uh, especially when I go to the gym. I can't, when I was 20, I used to be able to just walk in and you can start lifting, doing whatever you want and exert and exert and exert and no big deal. I realize as I've gotten older, uh, you can try that, but it doesn't always end up so good. Uh, you pull muscles, you hurt joints, you do things like that, and, and when you get older, we call that, we have to warm up. So they're saying, hey, I'm old and need some time. I have to warm up, right? But I believe that the opposite can also happen in the spiritual. I think that those of us that have walked longer with the Lord, we don't need as much warm-up. Nobody has to pull me into worship. I'm going to enter in. Nobody has to beg me to pray. I'm going to pray. But if you find yourself not there yet, you still need some, some warm-up time. Just realize, hey, you're human, and that's okay. But... I, I think of, of what this looks like today, and so I've got a, a picture on the, on the board that, you know, when, when many of us, uh, unless you were a farm kid like me, they think this is new technology, a push-button starter. Uh, when I first started driving on the farm about 12, there were push-buttons in the trucks. Uh, there wasn't a key. It was a push-button. And then somehow we went to keys, but what's funny is you can't get in your car and just expect it to go. There's a process, right? And, and even for me, because we have a car now that has one of those push buttons, and, and what's funny is that unless I depress the brake pedal all the way, now think about this, so the first thing, if I want to go, I have to push on the brake. Now that doesn't make sense to me. I should be able to get in the car. It's already in park, Right? And push start. And it should start. But as soon as I do that, you know what it says? It gives me a little warning. You must fully depress the brake pedal. And I find that sometimes we forget that there are steps that we have to take to get started. We can't just launch into it. I wish I could just get in the car. It would start by itself. It would know if I was buckled. It would know if I wanted to go in reverse. It would know what I wanted. But it doesn't work that way. Just like your life doesn't work that way. You may think, oh, I'm going to end up here. But you never make any plans. You never make any duties. You never make any focus on how you're going to get there. You just, one of my pet peeves is you just hope it works out. And as I've said many times before, hope is a horrible strategy. Because hope requires no planning, hope requires no goals, hope requires no focus, hope requires no step to this, to this, to this. You just hope that I'll just do everything the same way I did last year, and I hope I get different results. Well, why don't you just hold your breath and hope you don't pass out? Why don't you just step out into traffic and hope you don't get hit? Because you know that's stupid. Just like, maybe you need to shake up this morning, some of you are stupid about trying to get where you want to get and be who you want to be because you don't have a plan. You're not using God's Word. You have no resources. You're not saying, I'm going to start this year like this. And you, you don't even have anything written down. You don't even have a thought. You're just like, I just barely made it to church and now you're already yelling at me. I'm not yelling at you. I'm trying to help you. I know many of you are already tired. You took down Christmas and you're, you're just exhausted. And, and I'm glad that you're I really am. But I also am, am more concerned for you to have a great year. For two reasons. You need it. And so does the world around you. They need to see Christians on top of their game. They need to see followers of Jesus that have successful lives. They need to see followers of Jesus that their marriages are rich, that their relationships are strong, that they do well with their money, that their marriages are wonderful, that their kids grow up to be something, and they're not just struggling with everything that everybody else is struggling with. We have that potential. Did you know that this morning? But it means you have to get started someplace. And it doesn't start with resolutions, because resolutions anymore is just a word for things I'm not going to do, right? I saw somebody sent me a list on some of these. Uh, I thought this was kind of interesting on New Year's resolutions. Uh, As I look back on my year, I can't believe it's been a whole year since I didn't become a better person. Maybe that's you this morning. 
My resolutions this year is to stop lying to myself about making resolutions. Here's a common one. My New Year's resolution is a to-do list for the first week of January. Now think about that. I got a full seven days. And then what? Another good one. I'm going to work out every day. Or at least briefly consider it. My resolution for 2018 is to accomplish the goals of 2017, which should have been done in 2016, because I promised those back in 2015. Maybe that's you this morning. Or the one guy that swings to the fences that I saw, I'm going to lose weight, marry Scarlett Johansson, find the lost city of Atlantis, and if I'm going to fail, I'm going to fail big. Now, I can admire somebody like that, that at least, man, I've got a lofty goal. But you ask, or maybe answer this morning, if I forced you to, I said, tell me the top three things you want to accomplish this year right now. Write them down. Do you know what you would write down? Have you even thought about it? And then I'd say, okay, how are you going to accomplish that? And, and if I forbid you to use the word hope... What would you say? What would you write down? How are you going to get there? How are you going to do those things? How are you going to achieve that goal? How are you going to become the person you're supposed to be? Because it's not easy, and I'll also tell you, to, to take some of the pressure off, it doesn't happen overnight. That's why we have to progress through this. Great tennis legend Arthur Ashe said that many people fear making goals or resolutions because we fear that when we fail, we won't finish. And so we don't even start. I would rather see people try and fail. I'd rather see you shoot for something big than to not shoot at all. Famous hockey player Wayne Gretzky says, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Right? Right? Why not try for something huge? We, have, we serve a big God, right? That can do anything with anybody, anywhere, anyhow. What would we ask Him if He just said, you, you ask one big thing and I'll make it up. What would you ask? I mean, something life-changing. What would that be? What have you been putting off? Where do you need to start? What have you left undone? Maybe you... You've got that, hey, I'm going to be fit, I'm going to be healthy. Well, then go get a gym membership. Find a workout partner. Somebody that's actually going to pull up to your house and pull you out of bed and say, let's go. Right? Because you know if you just do it yourself, it's like dieting, right? Dieting alone is a horrible way to do it. Maybe you've been looking for a right relationship and you don't know where to start and maybe first pray Try eHarmony or FarmersOnly.com or maybe shower once in a while. Um, how about finding a better group of friends that push you to be better instead of pull you backwards? Even friends that maybe you don't think they pull you backwards, but they're, they're definitely not thrusting you forward. They're, they're negative, they're whiners, they're complainers, they're... They're people that they're stuck themselves, so how are they ever going to inspire you? Maybe you need to be more generous this year. Maybe you need to start tithing. Maybe you need to start giving. Maybe you could make a difference in somebody else's lives. And I don't know what it is that, that you need to start. But I just know I want to encourage you to get started in that process, to actually make a decision, to actually begin a plan, not just to hope so. Because many times the hope so doesn't work. And, and even if it does, it's a very long process. I find that one of the ways that, that helps me is this. I fast forward to the end. What do I want to see? What do I want to be? And then now that I've got that picture of how I want it to be and what I want to see, now how would I make that happen? then it's a little bit easier for you to do that, to, to know where you need to start if you know how you want it to end.
I want to read a passage of scripture to you this morning. This is from Hebrews chapter 11. This is about a a man that we've probably all heard about. This man's name is Moses. This says, by faith, Moses, when he had grown up, he refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. Now, you've probably read that before. You've heard of Moses before. But can I tell you, that's the end of his life, not the beginning of his life. And if you've never heard the beginning of Moses' life, here's a man that was born to a poor Hebrew family. He should have been tossed in the river, but his mama couldn't do it. She sent him in a little raft. The princess at that time found him, brought him into Pharaoh's house. They raised him to be a ruler in Egypt, but he was raised by a culture completely different than his own. And he grows up, and, and you don't hear a lot about him until he realizes that God's going to use him to deliver his people Israel. But he tries to do it in his time. He doesn't ask God. He just tries to do it. And he ends up in a fist fight or a scuffle with him and an Egyptian. And he kills the Egyptian that was hurting a Hebrew. And he buries him in the sand and thinking that nobody noticed. But a little bit later, he's trying to get the Israelites together. And they say, oh, we know how you are. We know how you handle people that don't listen to you. We saw you kill the Egyptian. And he realized people knew. And he flees. He leaves. Forty years later, he's in the backside of nowhere, tending sheep. I mean, he is in the armpit of the armpit. Now look at where he came from. I used to be in a palace. I used to have nice clothes. I used to have servants. I used to be able to tell people what to do, and they did it. Now I'm sitting here in raggedy, sweaty, smelly shepherd clothes in the middle of nowhere. But that's not the end of his life. The funny part is, it's almost truly the beginning. And as he's tending sheep, he sees a bush that burns but isn't consumed. And here's where his life really starts. He has an encounter with God. And my desperate, desperate prayer for you this year is that, not a fiery bush, but that you would have an encounter with God like not before. But that's, that's something that you've got to carve out. You've got to find the time. You've got you to be looking. You've got to be desiring it. And, and you've got to be watching for it. It doesn't just happen. And, and, and yes, the mysterious can happen. And, and I'm all for the mysterious things of God. But I'll tell you, you want to make sure it happens? You seek God and you'll find Him. Did you know that He tells us that? If you seek me with all your heart, I will be found. But you've got to seek him. You can't just, oh, I haven't even thought about it. Oh, yeah, I, I was supposed to pray. Oh, yeah, I was going to worship. I was going to, all those things like Melissa said, but you've got to take charge of that. And sometimes that's hard because we get casual and we get resistant and we just want to be comfortable. And most of all, we just want to be left alone. But I don't want God to leave me alone. When I invited Him into my life, I gave Him free access to every part of my life. And He is very irritating at times. <laughs> he gets into my business. <laughs> he gets into my life. He gets into my thoughts. He gets into my words. He gets into my attitudes. And He says, hey, what are you doing? Why are you being like that? Why are you talking like Why are you thinking like that? It, or why aren't you thinking like this? Or maybe you should start thinking. But sometimes I think we want Him on the outside, that we want Him just when we want Him. But I'm telling you, if you seek Him, He's got so much to give. He's got so much to pour out on you. He will totally renovate your life if you'll let Him and you'll seek Him. If not, you'll stay on this course where you just hope somehow he shows up. And can I tell you how that ends? It's, it's, it's kind of like the story with Moses. It's those that hope how this ends is somehow they attend church, they, they go to worship services, and they hope that God will show up there. But can I tell you, he does show up here or wherever you go. 
But if you're not looking for him and you're not prepared for him and you're not even focused on him, you'll think, why go to church? Why read the Bible? Why pray? It doesn't do any good. Yes, it does for those that are seeking him instead of just going through the motions. And then pretty soon you'll tell yourself, it's not that I don't believe in God, but I don't need church anymore. God's not there. And now you've started a process where you're like Moses in the middle of nowhere doing nothing. And thank God that he still shows up. But sometimes he comes in tragedy. You've been doing nothing with your life until you get to the end and you are so sick and tired of being sick and tired. And then you look for God. Or something happens, or somebody dies, or some trauma comes into your life. And that's the last thing that God wants for you, but He'll use it. I'm thankful for that. He'll use it. That's my story, and many of you, that's your story. God was there. He's been knocking for a long time. You could have had the opportunity, but you waited until it got so bad that in the midst of your pitiful, pathetic, messed up time, you finally turn to God. But the news is, He's been there all the time. Wanting you the whole time. Waiting for you the whole time. Loving you the whole time. Ready to forgive you the whole time. But somewhere you've got to get started. And I'm, I'm begging with you, I'm pleading with you, don't wait for the tragedy. Don't wait for your marriage to fall apart. Don't wait for your children to be messed up and come running home and you don't know what to do. Don't wait until you get that letter you didn't expect. Don't wait till you hear the doctor say, I'm sorry to tell you. Don't wait till then. Start today. Start today to seek God in His righteousness. Start today to get a new focus on who you can be and what you can be. Because the longer you put it off, I mean, think about that. You know it. When you live here and your plan is, I'm going to get in shape, all you have to do is have a plan that was kind of cold this morning and it's kind of gray this morning and it's kind of raining this morning. Well, if that's what keeps you, man, you're not going to exercise for about nine months out of the year. Or you determine, I'm going no matter what. I'm going even when I feel tired. I'm going even when it feels like everybody shrunk all the muscles in my body after yesterday's workout and I wake up. I'm going anyway. I'm going when the person that was supposed to be my accountability partner didn't show up. I'm going to go. And I'll tell you, there was a time in my life where I looked down on some of those people because I'd see people, and if this is you, please, I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about some other people, some other place, not you. (laughs) But I used to do a lot of road races, used to to be a lot more intense, and I'd drive down the road and I'd see somebody jogging. And I, in my heart, would say, you got to pick up the pace because you're doing absolutely nothing. You're wasting your time. Or somebody at the gym, they got their, their health magazine set up on the reclined bike and they're... And I'd say, you think that's actually doing something? But can I tell you, they're at the gym. How many of us didn't even do that? How many of us, when was the last time you jogged this fast? I mean, unless you're avoiding a car, Right? And so my attitude has changed. At least they're doing something. The person that doesn't know the whole Bible really good but's reading it, it's much better than the person that doesn't read it at all. You know what I'm saying? Some, just find your place to get started. And don't feel guilty about where you're at. Just start where you're at. Let's go to Exodus real quick and we're going to start this up. Just start where you are. Moses has this encounter with God, and Moses says to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? Who am I to bring the the Israelites out of Egypt? You know what God said to him? I'll be with you. 
You're worried about what you're going to say. You're worried about what you're going to do. You're worried they're going to reject you again. I'm with you. I'm going with you. You don't have to go someplace to start something. You start right where you are. Just admit where you are and start where you are. There's nothing wrong with that. I don't know if it's just me or, or a generation. I saw a funny thing on Facebook the other day. It had like the, the cool hipster dude, you know, that got the beard and the shaved sides of the head. And again, if this is you, I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about other people of the places. He's got it on his $60 shirt and his, you know, uh, skinny jeans tucked into oversized boots and the whole deal. And, and he's got a rifle and he says, I'm sure glad I don't hunt because I don't know where I'd find a gluten-free taco. And it struck me. <laughs> you can wear all those clothes, but that doesn't mean you know what you're doing or what, what to even start. And maybe that's you. I've never read the Bible before. I've never, I've never really done church. I don't even know what it means. When Melissa was talking about finding a time to worship, how do I do that when there's no church? Get some music. And, and some, listen, it doesn't even have to be music. You can make merry in your heart. You can sing to the Lord and... and I would suggest if you want to try it, especially outside of church, uh, please, don't, please don't do it in a public place where people are going to mock you. Start someplace like in your house once the kids are gone and your spouse has gone to work or whatever and you've got about just 10 minutes of alone time. Find some music that you like that's uplifting, that's God-centered and turn it up and turn it up loud so you can't hear yourself singing because if you sing like I sing, you don't want to sing. And just sing and lift, and you're going to feel stupid. But God is going to be pleased. And sometimes you don't necessarily have to feel it. But you start a process. And what you start, pretty soon it won't be so hard. And pretty soon it'll become a routine. And pretty soon it'll become regular. And pretty soon you will feel your, your body and your emotions will catch up with the Spirit. Because the Spirit is always ready to worship Him and always ready to go with Him. But sometimes our body and our mind isn't. You're thinking, this is silly. I hope nobody sees me. And I've been there. But you've got to start someplace. I remember feeling so self-conscious. I didn't know the words. I didn't know how to do church. And so my job in church was to make sure that the seat stayed on the floor. I just stood there. And I would try to read the, the words on the screen and I would mouth them. But there's no way I'm singing out loud. You know why? Because I was focused on me and how I sounded. And then something amazing happened as I began to understand God and got saved and got baptized and, and realized a change took place and the, and the spiritual transformation began as that pretty soon I could close my eyes and I could lift my hands and pretty soon I didn't care what other people thought or what they heard, or how I sounded. Because I was going to worship God. And it had to be a process. I didn't just jump in it. And, and like I said, I know I'm not designed to be on the worship team. But it doesn't mean I can't worship Him. It doesn't mean I can't sing and make a joyful noise. And I can start right where I'm at. I can start with no ability. And, and the funny thing is sometimes God has those setbacks. My story is different. I, I, I got saved in a bigger church and they didn't sing hymns and the, all the songs are contemporary and it's on the screen. And then uh, as God sent us out into our first ministry work, we went to a church that did hymns and they sang out of a hymn book. And I didn't know how to do that. And I remember our first Sunday there is I'm thinking, okay, hymns, and they're telling me to turn to a page and... Okay. And I'm, I'm just going for it. I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm going for it. And then my wife looks at me and looks at me again and then nudges me and then finally says, what are you doing? Because for those of you that don't know, you don't just read down the page. You know, I went to school. I even went to college. 
And when I start reading a page, I go all the way across, and then I start the next line, and I go across. And if you learn to read that way, not if you're a church kid, you do this line, and then you skip to this line, and we're going to string verses 3 and 4, or actually usually 4 and 5. I don't know why they hate verse 3, but and they jump all over the place. And I'm like, how are you supposed to know? And even coming to church, do we stand? Do we sit? How do I dress? What do we sing? And what do we say? How do we pray? How do we just start? Showing up is the 90%. The rest of it's just learning the culture. Because you can go to another church and they may do it completely different. But God wants you to be there in that place. Just start where you are. It doesn't matter where you are when you know who you're with. That's what helped Moses. It didn't matter where he was going or what he was asked to do. He knew who was going with him. Can I tell you, God's with you this morning? It doesn't matter how hard it is to start. God's going with you. God's going with you. Maybe you feel unworthy. Maybe you, you realize, hey, I've made a lot of mistakes. I've done too much bad stuff. I'm, I, I, I've been poor with my finances. I, I just don't see a way out. Or I've got huge decisions that are just crushing me and I don't know what to do. I don't even know how to pray. Or maybe last year, was it a year you suffered loss, death, or divorce, or a job went south and I don't know... I don't even know how I'm going to start this year. Just start and remember that God's with you. Did you know He made you a promise that He said, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. See, that's the thing with humans is when things get tough, you know who your friends are because those that aren't, they find another place to be or they're busy or whatever. But with God, He's like, I'm with you when it hurts the worst. I'm with you when it's your darkest moment. I'm there when nobody else is there. In fact, I'm right there in your head when you don't even want to be with you. I'm with you. That's the beauty of God is that it doesn't matter where you are. You just got to remember who's with you. And you're never alone from this point on. Secondly, in Exodus chapter 4, Moses is facing another trial as, as he's trying to deliver Egypt and he's still struggling with, with who he's supposed to be. And that's basically this. Use what you have. Moses says, I'm going to go, but what if they don't believe me? What if they don't listen to me? What if they say the Lord did not appear to you? And the Lord said to him, What's that in your hand? A staff, he replied. This is an old, old story. I've heard it preached many, many times. Moses had a staff because he had been a shepherd. God didn't give him the staff. He didn't say, hey, I want you to go find a cool piece of wood. I want you to carve it. I want you to make some initials in it, polish it up. He had that thing. He'd been walking around with it for ages as he's been out there tending sheep. Just part of his life at that part. Maybe that's how you are this morning as well. You've just been raising kids. You're just being a teacher. You're just changing oil. You're just being a construction worker. You're just doing your job. You're just being a student. You're just whatever. And you think, how could I possibly do that? Just use what you have. You don't have to change your life. You don't have to go and get some extra training. You can be used by God just where you are with just what you have right now. Now, don't try to do it in some other new way, but just be you. Use what you have. There was a time when I got in the ministry that I struggled with that because a lot of the, the pastors that I was around not only did they have lots of years in the ministry, but they were part of a, a denominational, quote, brotherhood where they had been to seminary and they'd been to these schools together. They'd been to Lee College together and then they went from there to the Pentecostal seminary and, and they knew each other and they had doctorate degrees and master's degrees. And, and then there's nobody from nowhere named Tony gets saved by the glorious grace of God out of a nursing plan. My goal at the time would be to get my RN degree and work at a hospital, provide for my family, go to church. 
do what I could. And I felt so self-conscious, like how, how can I be used? And then I started in youth ministry, and the youth pastor of that time, so talented. He could sing and dance and creative and draw, and he came up with plays and all this, thinking, there's no way I can compete. There's no way I can do that. I, that's, that is not me. And yet, over a decade in youth ministry, just remembering that I've been called to be me, pastor of church, just called to be me. God didn't say, hey, you got to get your education first because if he wanted me to have that education, I would go and get it. But my, my real question is, do you need Greek and Hebrew to make your life better? Do you need to know the homiletics and all of that stuff that they try to talk about that's so important because on my life, and maybe yours is different, but in my life, knowing a Greek word really didn't change it. But knowing God has made all the difference in the world. And if I wanted to teach or if I was going to be going at a college, I would understand. And I'm, I'm not against education. I think it's awesome. But I think sometimes we set up false hurdles that aren't required almost so that we have a way out. Well, you know, I, I just don't have enough time. You, you probably do. You just got to take time. Now, I'm telling you, you can't make time. We've all got 24 hours. That's all you got. But you can take time. Well, I don't, I don't have enough education. If you can speak English, you are perfectly prepared to be used by an amazing God to change somebody's life. Well, you don't understand my life. It's been nothing... There's other people just like you that you can go and share the glory of God and what He can do in your life. And it doesn't matter what school you went to or what education you got or didn't get. What matters is that you are a life changed by God. Just use what you've got. I marvel at some of these people that I'm sure I have a better education than them, but you know what? I don't know how to tear an engine apart. I don't even have the desire to start I don't even have the gumption anymore to try to fake it. The other side of my family, they're all mechanics and they build race cars and do all these engines. And I stand there thinking, yeah, I think the thingamabob's loose on the whatchamadigit there. <laughs> and they've got 52-inch tool drawers and... And I just stand there stupid, like, I can read, tell me what socket you need. If it goes beyond putting air in the tires or filling it up with oil or fuel, just pray for my wife, because there's so many times in the past we've had car trouble, and she's like, what do you think that is? And there's everything in me keeps me going, you're asking me? But that feels silly and you feel like you're a loser, so what would I do? I'd get out, look under the hood. <laughs> Try it now. So then I listened to some older gentlemen, and I got wise. So now, when there's car problems, I pop the hood. I look around. Then I say, you know, these new engines. You can't work on them like you used to be able to. Got all computers and stuff in there. I wouldn't even... So maybe you're struggling in that area. Just take a hint from me. Hey, do your part. Look in the engine compartment. Yep, there's an engine in there. And I don't know if it's turned sideways. Somebody said that some of the engines are turned sideways or this. There's a bunch of wires and cables and bolts. And Now, you bring me a human body, I can tell you what that's about. I studied that. But that engine... 
That's like looking into the face of God. I don't get it. But can I tell you that what you have already is what God will use? Your unique background, your unique education, your unique set of family and friends, and all the circumstances that came with it, God will use exactly that, just like He did with Moses. And and here's the kicker for you, so it takes the pressure off. God didn't need Moses to have the staff. Moses needed Moses to have the staff. God didn't need anything. He just wanted a man that would obey. He needed somebody in human form to show up. And, and then he says, I mean, think about this. God is God. And he says, well, just stick out your staff. Like, like that piece of wood is what makes the water split, right? God made the water split. God made the plagues come. God brought the boils. God brought the healing. God delivered Egypt. He didn't need a staff and he didn't need an Aaron to talk for him. But look at what Moses focused on. I'm not eloquent. I stumble with my words. You got it. Okay, okay, who's around here? Um, Aaron, there you go. We'll use Aaron. God didn't need an Aaron. Moses needed an Aaron. God didn't need a stick. He didn't need all the signs and wonders, but the people, we need a sign that God's with us. So whatever you've got, use what you've got. Whatever your skill level is. And you may say, I'm just a mom. Then be a mom for the glory of God. Or I'm a custodian. Then be a custodian for the glory of God. Use what you've got and only what you've got. You can't be somebody else. What you have is exactly what God will use. If you repair things, awesome. Use it to God's glory. Help other people do that. You're good with numbers. Awesome. You're good with kids. Work with the kids. If you love to cook, uh, start making me meals. Whatever you're good at. You've got the ability that maybe nobody else has to reach people nobody else can because of your unique background and skill set. And don't diminish where you've been or what you've done or what you haven't done. The people who think, well, I don't have much of a testimony. Thank God. Thank God you're spared. Thank God there's some other people that need to hear that God can spare people from the tragedies of life. And you should be thankful that He spared you from that stuff. And the people that were knuckleheads like me that went through a bunch of mess and the light finally came on, you've got a great story to share with that you haven't done too much and gone too far that God can save them too. Wherever you are in that span, God is with you with this and He'll use whatever you can. You think, well, yeah, but you don't understand. I'm working down at the shop. Awesome, but you don't know what God can do with you through that shop. Or working at the cash register. Or babysitting. Or whatever you're doing. Because God can see moments and divine opportunities that you can't. And don't be surprised. That's why we have to focus on Him. When we seek Him instead of trying to change our pattern and change it for us, then maybe He brings you into alignment with somebody that He has just guaranteed this will be so easy for you. All you've got to do is share what your life was like, and this person says, I want that too. And it's not about memorizing Scripture or learning some phony plastic way to share the gospel. You just say, this is what happened to me, and God became real in my life. And they want that too. And don't be surprised if people want to watch you for a little while to see if it's real, to see if what you're saying is true. If, if you're really the person that you appear to be, that's why it's so great. They want to see a real person that really loves God. Thirdly, do only what you can. Moses says to the Lord, Pardon your servant, Lord, I've never been eloquent, not in the past, nor since you've spoken to your servant. I'm slow of speech and tongue. The Lord said to him, I love this. Who gave human beings their mouths? Did you? Who makes those that are deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? 
Now go, and I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. Look at this. Notice that God looked right past all of excuses and he says, Did you create humans? You think that that's a problem? I made those things. I put your mouth where it is. I gave you the speech pattern that you have. You don't worry about that. I've done all these other things too. I can make people blind. I can make them see. I can bring people back from the dead. You just go and I'll teach you along the way. I'll teach you along the way. I think there's times where what hurts us the most in sharing our faith is we think we don't have anything to say. We don't know what to say. Or we're fearful of actually saying something. Just like Moses. But notice that it says right here, God says, I'll help you speak. I'll help you know what to say to that right person at the right moment in the right time. And part of the problem, I'm just telling you in advance, for those of you that, like I said, I'm praying for people in your life that are going to get saved, is that we pre-plan what we're going to say, but then the person that we pre-plan that for is not the person God directs us to. And then it sounds weird. Instead of waiting on God to give us the words we need to say to that person in that moment, that's what it means by walking in the Spirit. We just allow Him. And instead of all of our pre-planned, well, I'm going to say, well, what if they don't ask that question? What if they don't have that background? What if they've... But God already knows that in advance. Just use what you have and do what you can. I think about our kids. I was thinking about this the other night. Isn't it amazing? I don't know if you've ever had this happen, but it's amazing how talkative kids can be when you tell them it's time to go to bed. Pretty soon they've got all these things that they want to say to you. Right? I need to go to the bathroom. I, I want to drink. I'm not tired. I'm hungry. I'm scared of the dark. I need my blanket. I don't like my pajamas. Blah, blah, blah. You know. Now before that, they're ignoring you, playing on the floor. And then you say, hey, it's time for bed. And now they want to talk to you. Now their mouth has been loosened. Now they want to have this conversation. And I think it's the same way with us and God. I think there's times we're just going through our lives. And he says, hey, now it's time to go. And we're worried. But can I tell you, he'll be with you to tell you what to say, to tell you who to talk to. You just be you and you let God be God. Can we agree on that this morning? You be you and you let God be God. Because I'll tell you what really messes us up. You see that person at work that you think that person's unsaved and I'm going to tell them the gospel. And you're, how do I do this? And you're working on it and next time he sits next to me during lunch and I'm going to the problem is, that person's already saved. You just don't know it. And the person that you already thought was saved isn't saved. And God's going to say, this person's going to come talk to you today. Well, I'm unprepared for that. The story you need to share is what God did for you. We're not here to argue. We're not here to debate. We're not here to regale them with our incredible Bible knowledge. Our job when God opens the door is to share the mysteries of God as what He's done with our life. Because you're the best you. You know your story. You know where you used to be. You know where you are now. And you know you're not done yet. Because God's still working on all of us. You just be you. You let God be God. And you take the next step. You don't worry about number 28. You don't worry about three months from now. Your first step needs to be, what's the one thing I can start to change now? I'm going to work on that. I think times we get overwhelmed. Whether it be our family, our friends, our co-workers... We see, uh, if you see it like I do, 
So many people in need. So many people hurting. Marriage is a mess. Kids is a mess. Finance is a mess. And you almost say, where, where do you even start? I think of a quote by Mother Teresa that said, you're right, maybe you can't feed a hundred people today, but maybe you can feed one. God didn't say you had to change everybody in your neighborhood or everybody in your block. Just start with one. And I'll give you the inside track. Maybe the person that needs to change the most right now is you. Put aside the fear, the excuses, the justifications, the busyness, and say, Lord, that first step is going to be, I'm going to focus on you. I'm going to ask if you'd stand with me this morning, and we're going to make another declaration, and we'll have it on the screen for you. But this is going to be a revision of Hebrews chapter 11. Are you ready? Let's read this together. Here we go. By faith, when I have grown up, I refuse to be known as simply a product of my past. I choose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. I regard disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of this world because I am looking ahead to my great reward. Now the previous Hebrews was about Moses and what he did. It was a past tense. What's keeping this from being you this morning? What's keeping it from being you that's looking for a great wood war? What's keeping it from you standing out and standing up and starting right where you're at? What's keeping you? Maybe it's fear. Maybe you say you're too busy. But I tell you, you won't finish anything unless you start somewhere. You've only got one shot at this year. It won't come back. It's amazing how 2017 is gone just like that. Seems like it was just a couple weeks ago I was sweating to death at Go Forth cooking corn dogs. And now it's January. Seemed like just a couple weeks ago it was Thanksgiving. And now we're taking down Christmas decorations. Tomorrow will be January 2018. And my wife will begin counting down to Christmas. Just do what you can. Just be who you are. Just use what you have. God doesn't ask for huge things. Maybe we think He does, but He doesn't. Where do you need to start? So that this year will be different than last year. A better year. A bigger year. A more prosperous year. One where you see some fruit. Can we read that one more time together? And then we'll pray. By faith, when I have grown up, I refuse to be known as simply a product of my past. I choose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. I regard disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of the world because I am looking ahead to my great reward. What reward do you want to see this year? Let me pray for you and with you this morning. Are you ready? Father, there's some here that something I said this morning, it stuck in their heart. Maybe it was thinking that they weren't worthy or they, they don't know enough. But God, you'll use them right where they are. God, somebody this morning, they thought they needed an extra this or that. Or maybe they've just been unfocused and they need to start with just focusing on you for a little bit. Lord, I also believe there's some people that they just think they're too messed up to start. They've got 
too many irons in the fire. They're too busy. And Lord, I pray that you show them the truth. That sometimes that busyness is leading to barrenness and they need to slow down and they need to step back and allow you to speak into them like you did over Moses and said, you just go and I'll be with you. You just start and I'll follow along. I'll provide everything you need. I'll be there every step of the way. If you need an errand, I'll bring an errand. If you need a rod, I'll bring a rod. Wherever you need, I will be there as your great provider. You just go. You just start. And know that I am with you. So let's pray together, Lord. For every last one of us, every, every woman, every man, every student, every person. Father, would you help us to start this year on purpose? To start with focusing on you, Lord. I need a better relationship with you. I need to connect more with you. I need to spend more time in worship. I need to spend more time in prayer. Or, or maybe you just need to start one of those things. So, Lord, I pray there'd be no fear. I pray that you break the chains of our routine that keep us in this dead end not moving forward, stuck place, and allow us to move forward for the glory of God. God, I pray that there would be anointing on marriages and family and relationship for the glory of God. God, I pray that there would be people that they find that this is their best year to come because they actually start a plan. They actually focused on you. They just started with a couple little steps. And Lord, that's been huge compared to what they've ever done before. So Lord, would you help us to realize you have all we need. You're going with us. And we can just do what only we can do. You won't send us where we're ill-prepared. You won't expect huge things from us if we're not those people. Just send us where you want us to go. Help us to be the people you've called us to be. And God, I pray blessing and favor and open doors on every person in this room. Keep your eyes open for what God's going to do. Keep your heart ready for what God's going to do. Keep your spirit full for what God's going to do. And we'll see the glory of God in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Now before we go, I don't want to belabor this, but before we go,